0: Welcome to the Jam Bass Podcast, a proud partner of Osiris Media, the podcast network for music. I'm Scott Bernstein, and on this episode, we'll hear my interview with impresario Peter Shapiro. I recently spoke with Peter in person at the Relics offices in New York City. Our chat focused on the independent concert promoter's new book, The Music Never Stops, while well, putting on 10,000 shows has taught me about life, liberty, and the pursuit of magic which is out now on Hachette Books. We'll get to the interview soon, but first a few words on happenings in the live music world since our last episode. Fish returned to Alpine Valley in East Troy, Wisconsin this past weekend for the penultimate run of their Spring and Summer Tour 2022. band started the three-night run on Friday with their first show opening Fuego since November 1st, 2014. Concert included tour debuts of Clear Your Mind, Destiny Unbound, and Ass Handed, with improvisational standouts in 18-minute Moment Dance, expansive Set Your Soul Free, and a David Bowie that featured a really cool twist in the midst of its jam. Saturday's show began with a rare cover of Prince's 1999, and then Fish jammed out Fluffhead, which eventually landed on Sawed Again. Those looking for setlist themes should note the first extended fluffhead came at Alpine Valley back in, you guessed it, 1999. So fans had a chance to see a type two fluffhead again 23 years later. The leaves that followed saw it again, also featured a burst of improvisation, and Fish gave backwards down the number line the jam treatment to launch their second set on Saturday. I'd also recommend checking out the Mister completely from the middle night of their own. Now, I'm a big fan of Fish drummer John Fishman's antics, and his turns leading the band playing vacuum are incredibly rare these days. So it was quite a treat when Fish swapped places with guitarist Trey Anastasio and fronted the band on a debut cover of Jerry Reed's Broken Heart Attack amid the second set on Sunday at Alpine. Broken Heart Attack was the first debut the band played on their current tour, and had they not premiered any songs on Sunday or at their upcoming four-night stand at Dick's, It would have been the only tour in their history without new material besides summer 2014. Other highlights from the Alpine finale were a bliss-laden 46 days, fretboard firework-infused Everything's Right, and a fine cover of Apple's and Stereo's Energy. Speaking of Trey, the big news on Tuesday was the announcement of a Goose and Tranestasio band tour, featuring dates at eight arenas in the Northeast this November. Each band will play a full set with unique collaborations expected. I saw Trey guest with Goose at Radio City last June and loved what Big Red brought to the mix. He really made quite an impact with the Connecticut-based quintet, and I can't wait to see and hear what these unique collaborations will be all about. I really hope to hit a few shows. I talked about the rise of Goose and what the future may hold for the band towards the end of my chat with Peter Shapiro. For those unfamiliar with The Impresario, his ventures include operating the Capitol Theater in Port Chester, New York, Brooklyn Bowl venues in New York City, Las Vegas, Philadelphia, and Nashville, serving as the publisher of Relics, producing films such as U2 3D, and organizing the Lockin Festival. Peter is one of the biggest independent concert promoters in live music history, who has presented, as the title of his book implies, over 10,000 shows. Peter's life was changed after attending a Grateful Dead show at Rosemont Horizon in 1993. He left the show inspired to turn his passion for live music into a career, He went on to direct a movie about the community surrounding the Grateful Dead, and in 1996 took over the legendary New York City nightclub Wetlands Preserve from founder Larry Block. Shapiro owned Wetlands until it closed in 2001. Music Never Stops was co-written with longtime collaborator Dean Budnick. Dean helped Peter put on the jammy celebrations in the aughts and is now co-editor-in-chief at Relics. One of Shapiro's most famous and successful ventures was Fare Thee Well, a celebration of the Grateful Dead's 50th anniversary held in 2015 at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California and Soldier Field in Chicago. The book starts with a chapter about Fare The Well and the rainbow that appeared above Levi Stadium at the first Fare The Well show. Peter then writes honestly and articulately in chronological order regarding his incredible career. There's so many fascinating anecdotes and inside stories within, and I couldn't put The Music Never Stops down. We discussed why the time was right for Shapiro to write the book to begin our chat. Peter explained the crucial role Dean Budnick played in its creation and the tome's format of telling the stories through the lens of 50 different concerts. When COVID hit, the impresario had plenty of time on his hands and really dove into the project. Shapiro was direct and frank in telling his tale. For instance, Peter recalled the difficult process of launching Brooklyn Bowl Las Vegas told me about how the venue nearly went bankrupt and how a chat with a fellow music industry vet sent him into a tailspin on opening night. Thankfully, the venue has persevered, in part due to booking private concerts, which he talks about. Unlike many of his contemporaries, Peter Shapiro isn't on social media. He explains why he stays away from personal accounts on the different platforms. However, Shapiro still keeps up with live music news so much so that he contacted me minutes after I published a review of Lock-In in 2015. This review was 99% positive, but had one line about the poor condition of the bathrooms. He called me, and he fixed the situation within hours. It was an example of how much he cares. The Music Never Stops is a great guide for those who are interested in entering the live music business, as Shapiro shares many of the lessons he learned over the years. He spoke on the importance of using college as a time to try different ventures. Other topics we hit upon were the multiple generations of jam acts that have come since Wetlands opened, hanging with members of the Grateful Dead, the crucial role weather played in the success of Fare Thee Well, and whether special guests get paid or not. I really enjoyed talking with Peter, and it was my first in-person interview for the podcast since the pandemic began. Here's my chat with Peter Shapiro, which will lead into with a bit of trucking from Fare The Well in Chicago. Welcome, promoter Peter Shapiro, to the Jam Base Podcast. How are you doing, Peter? Good to be here, Scott. It's been over two years since I've done an in-person interview and uh, not over Zoom. And I'm excited to speak with Peter from his office in, in, in Manhattan at the Relics offices. And I've actually never been in your actual office. And it is just filled to the brim with incredible memorabilia.
1: Yeah, a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, I like having the photos and the posters around to remind me. Uh, otherwise, you know, you might forget it. Just yeah, kind of why I wrote this thing to kind of like write down while I still remembered it.
0: And that thing that is your, your new book, the, the music never stops. Well, putting on 10,000 shows has taught me about life, liberty, and the pursuit of magic. When did you decide the time was right to, to start writing a book?
1: Um, Well, the, the key to a lot of it is Dean Budnick who I wrote the book with and is the co editor of relics. And I've known since the nineties, you know, and he's been around, you know, for a lot of this, was at a lot of these shows, whether we did the jammies together, he actually did the wetlands film. He's a Harvard PhD, but also wrote the book on jam bands, remember like 20 years, literally. right? Yes. <laughs> and take it, you know, and, and he's, so he was familiar with our scene, and me, and it was, he, he said, have you ever written anything down? And this is a few years ago. Okay. And uh, I hadn't, and I had a little health scare that, you know, I'm fine, but I decided, you know, I have nothing written down. We got Dean Budnick here who, who could help do it. He's like, I think we can get uh, someone to put it out. We got a which is amazing. COVID happened. So I had a lot of time and nights where I wasn't at a show. And I could spend it on the phone with Dean for like three hours. You know, we did hundreds of three hour calls and I was hesitant at first, um, but I'm turning 50 next month or in September. And I just said, you know what, let's do it. Because usually you do this kind of thing maybe a little later, but I'm so glad actually. Now that it's done, you know, remember in high school when you like finish a physics test yeah. or algebra? And that excitement yes. of knowing that. Yeah. You know, is- you took it, you can forget all that yes. information. <laughs> yeah. At least till finals, you know. Uh, so I have that feeling a little bit that it's like out of my brain. Right. And it's on paper. And I'm actually surprised like how good I feel. Knowing that, like, I don't have to try to remember all that anymore. And I don't even know how you do it when you're 70, 75, 80 at the end. Yeah. How do you remember all that? So I barely remember it now. Yeah. <laughs> I really I don't, you know. So, uh, I, it's, it was fun to do. We realized through doing it, I've done 10,000 shows. Holy cow. That's, you know, that's a lot. And, uh, but you know what else helped the internet? Like, cause in our world, a lot of it's about the set list. Who played, what they played, where, what the date, what the geekery. You know, so cause cause through what you do at Jam Base, what we do, Dean, you know, you're able, one thing is like to look to find those yep. dates, set lists, who was on stage. Um, and a lot of it was going back to that. And uh so I always felt lucky to get to do it with Dean, who's was a bit uh, a wingmate in this thing. And it's like to have it down. And we tried to make it. It's not really so much my story, but through my eyes going through these 50 shows. I mean, it's what I experienced, what I saw, but it travels a little bit through our scene. Okay. And we try to make it a little more. You know, it's from wetlands, which is me, you know, and into the jammies and doing the Green Apple Earth Day stuff and doing my film stuff with the IMAX and, tra- and then, you know, doing Brooklyn Bowl, you know, and then doing the Capitol Theater. And doing, and then, you know, and then from there going to Vegas and Nashville and other cities and then COVID happening and getting into streaming and, oh, and (laughs) locking. So we ended up being like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff here. And, and I hope people, you know, and, and I feel really good that we got it down while I, while I still remember it.
0: And you've said to me a couple of times since I've been here, 50 shows. What do you mean by that? Or is that kind of how you, the approach you took in terms of the chapters and telling the tales of 50 50 different events? Yeah, it's 50
1: chapters. And if you you look at a chapter, it's, it's just like kind of our scene. It's like the date of the show and everything's a specific show. And they might be a Broken bowl show. it might be Bob Dylan opening the Capitol, you know, uh, Power Jam at Wetlands, yeah, yeah the Roots in <laughs> at the ball in Vegas, you know, award, you know, it's, so everything's a show, which is fitting for our world, sure. and what happens in the show, what you know, all this kind of everything the crazy.
0: And one yeah. of the, the shows that you mentioned, which was one of the ones that I found most fascinating, was a private party for NetApp yeah, at
1: I just Brooklyn,
0: it. Brooklyn Bowl, Las Vegas. It and saved me. That's one of the things I love about the book is how honest you are about that it hasn't all just been rainbows and lollipops. Um, you know, there there's been tough moments and um you I, would, mean, I
1: almost went down a few times. You, know, you can't do this. What what I do we you know in putting on shows and anyone who puts on shows knows this and anyone wanting to get into it should know it you know it's yeah. hard and uh sometimes if you you know there's an oxymoron because like to do it right means you'll make less money or could lose money you know there's a saying like the first year of a festival if you don't lose it, money you do not do it right. right yeah so i do my best you know to meld that <laughs> And make a few bucks and do it right you know and it was tough when you go to a new venue new city new venue you get going you don't have the email list they don't know you you know in New York was easier for me I went to Vegas I we couldn't get the first private party you need privates as part of the model how do you get the first one you know, because people who are used to having their privates at the Cosmopolitan in Vegas, you know, or the Sands, they've done it four years in a row there. Why are they going to move their party and the CEO's because it's Vegas, to a new place and be first? That's hard. That's why Tom Cruise gets booked a lot. No one ever got fired hiring Tom Cruise, even if the movie doesn't work. But someone who hires the new Tom Cruise, who tries to find one even to save money in the movie bombs, gets fired. What the hell are we doing? You know, yeah. so you, it's hard to break in. You know, that's true for a new venue anywhere, and and then you got to build the email list and the socials. We went to Vegas. We started it. You know, there's a story in there about the opening night of Vegas where I was feeling good. I had the Roots, Elvis no, no, Costello. I flew out plane. with them. Yeah, plane police escort. I get to the venue. i may have the Roots opening, Brooklyn Mall, Vegas is full. It's like this is. And the idea was to build a 2000 cap live music venue in Vegas, not in a casino that did our world could come play. Like where's Tedeschi trucks play in Vegas, right. you know, or Galactic build my, that scene in Vegas and a lot, but I get there feeling good. And my friend who owns the club marquee and Lavo and Tao in Vegas, some of the biggest dance clubs in Vegas. He's like, I know him from New York, uh, 20 years. So, He's like, hey, dude, come here for a sec. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, this is, this is great. I'm like, isn't this cool? He's like, it's great. But by the way, I'm going to tell you this because I love you and I care about you. I'm like, what? You know, what's going on? He's like, you don't know how fucked you are. You have no clue. I'm like, ooh. He's like, dude, you, you do it in the casino. You don't do it outside the casino. You let the casino pay and build it. You do a management fee. You know, you don't raise the money and build it out in your own building, Center Street. And, and by the way, you don't do live music in Vegas. No one's here to see Blues Traveler. He said that. I love it. And he, because he loves Blues Traveler. Um, <laughs> we're here for Tiesto. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or that kind of thing. And at Hakkasan and those clubs, but that's true. Bottle service. Right. But that was also the opportunity. You know, there was no live music venue yeah. like that. There was bigger four or 5,001 theaters, all in casinos. And like, so it was hard. I almost went down because you can't, it's hard to get that first private, hard to get the build up the email list so that the shows are full. Did that ruin your night? Were you yes, able to? Yes, I started okay. sweating. I was like, oh my God. I was, and was I like, also looked at, I also then had you. 10 you nights of galactic coming up. I wanted to see if late night New Orleans could work in Vegas. By the way, if it had, my life would be different. We just do that every night. I didn't I still don't get why late night New Orleans, eleven thirty PM show every night, eleven o'clock galactic in Vegas. I thought that might work. And everyone was like, nah, I don't know. And I'm like, but no one had tried it. Right. You don't know till you try. So I booked them for 10 nights. Because you can't do two nights and know if Galactic Late Night really works. And I learned it did not. There, there was not a market for it. <laughs> I wish so. But by the way, now we've built it up when Galactic comes through. It's amazing. I did, did build a home, a place for a band like Galactic to play in Vegas. That didn't exist. I'm proud of that. We tried to do that in Nashville a little bit. That's what the bowl vibe is. That's what I built Brooklyn Bowl to be was uh, with my partner, Charlie. who We were at Wetlands together to be, I mean, it's a little bit of Wetlands and a little bit of that late night after Jazz Fest, New Orleans feeling. Yeah. No doubt.
0: No doubt. We, you know, Which, you know,
1: which, I- which is what we do.
0: And so now we're, we're years later, you, you discuss in the book how it came close to bankruptcy and uh, you were kind of saved by this yeah, net, a, yeah, a, by ne, yeah, net app. Yeah, that's um, our first party that came in. that net How is the Brooklyn Bowl Vegas doing right now? Right now,
1: we've just won Best Venue um, for the seventh time out of eight years. Listen, this is hard. you got to survive to make it. You just got to survive long enough to make it over the hill or to the tail, to the place where then it gets a lot easier. You've built the email list. Once you get that first, second, third party, you can get a fourth much easier. And then once you get going, and once you can't sell out a show without selling out a show, like to get the emails, you got to have ticket buyers. So you do shows to get the ticket buyers so that when you announce a show, then you get their emails. So then you build up the email list so that when you announce a show, you you can send the email and you, sell it, you can sell the tickets just on the email. But if you don't have the email list in the beginning, it's hard to sell the tickets. No. And in a town like Vegas, they're like, okay, you have money for 40 billboards. There's 10,000 in town. Celine Dion has 400. Elton John has 400. You know, you know Penn and Teller have 400. You have 40 and you have 30 shows to promote on those 40. Yeah. So you don't want to be in that game. The billboard, the buying ads, you want to be using your email list and your socials. But when you're brand new, you don't have any. So that's the, and you don't have those privates. So it's about getting that first one in that chapter. Like that party enabled us, me to be here with you today without question. If I hadn't gotten that party, I think we were supposed to go bankrupt, you know, 72 hours later, I'd signed the paperwork. I hadn't fully told my wife the whole story of (laughs) it now. So maybe she's listening, I don't know. Cause you don't really, and then you have to learn to like live with that stress and be home, you know, and not bring it with you everywhere. That actually was going down in May of 2015. Right. And June of 15 was fairly well. Yeah. I was was... doing, putting together fairly well and managing near bankruptcy at the same time, Uh, which was, I'm lucky I'm alive. That's kind of, you know, I had some, you know, I stress issues just with the health. And and that's one reason why I was like, I want to get this down. I do feel good if I never, and I'm nothing, I'm, I'm all good. But if ever anything was to happen, I do feel good that and actually what I do is still hard, you know, doing shows. There's still because what I when you're putting on shows, everything matters and the details matter and the little things matter. When you're writing a story like a little word, you know, every word matters. Um, so to do that right takes a lot of energy. Absolutely. And though. time. You can't just be like it gets easier. It never gets easy. But but all of it matters. So like you got to keep doing that. It's still stressful. Um. But now, so it does help. Sometimes I feel, um, when when and it's been helpful lately. If I ever am dealing with something that's stressful or this, I look over, I see the book, and I and it does make me feel a little bit like it's why some of these posters are here. I, because um it makes you feel okay. I've done this. Before. Remember them. Yes. Remember the good times. Well, so I remember that I've done it. Yeah, you can do it. Same, you know anyone has their own version of that yeah okay I you know and um uh, and so I'm I'm because I'm still going
0: yeah I'm gonna yeah, this, go the, do it again bro book one
1: <laughs> I don't know maybe they will be in I don't know I've, I'm uh I'm on show 51 now Right. Yeah. I've actually talked to Dean the other day and I was like because I would just call Dean you know for a few years there with like here's a thought or
0: this. And yeah. And that's, I wanted to talk about the process. What was that process? How, how would your calls with Dean go? Would they be about a specific show and you take it one, one call per show or, or what was the, the process for, for you and, and Dean in, in, in formulating what, what became the book?
1: Uh, I think we, we outlined the, we got to the 50 shows. We actually did a couple On the list, probably a couple more. Okay. And then got it to 50. And then we wrote each chapter. You nailed it. And we would go, okay, let's do this chapter and this. The 50 reflected chronological order. Okay. Um, Although maybe I think it starts it fairly well, you know, it's basically chronological. Uh, And we realized from doing the book that I've done 10,000 shows that are, you know, I haven't been to everyone, but like if something went wrong at one of those 10,000, I would get the phone call. Right. So that can't, you know, and that's a lot. And, and doing it since 96, that's when I took over Wetlands. So we kind of start there. I mean, there's a couple of things before then. Uh, just kind of how going to a show at Rosemont Horizon in 93, you know, led me to talking to you, I believe. I yeah. believe I had like one of those sliding doors moments where like if I hadn't been at that show and had that experience when Ken Nordine started doing spoken word. I, I'm a. Film, I am do not think I go on dead tour, and then I don't end up owning wetlands. And the. Ball. I don't think my. Life, I think my life would have been different.
0: Happened right. again. Another stranger came into our town, and he too was tall and dark, and had eyes that could look right down into the bottom of you. And he got us together in the big auditorium, with him on the high stage, and we were in the dark. He began to chant. The flipperty chip. I'm um, the Bibberty Bob, and we joined in, and the magic again was in us.
1: But you know what happened? Little by little, a little later on, the critics made nonsense of what we were doing,
0: and he left our town saying, No, no. By the way, how are things in your town?
1: Whatever I, I'm here, yeah. I went to that that's, show. That's life, and I do believe in that. That one thing can lead to another, you know, which leads to another, which leads to another, and um, but it's pretty much chronological. And we went through it. Listen, COVID happened in the middle of it,
0: which was gave more hours. Was the book in hours. the works before COVID?
1: It, we, we were starting it a little bit before, but it was really done through that couple okay. of year period. Yeah, when we had time, time for a lot of phone calls. And I had started to pivot towards the end of the book a little bit. It, it, some of these chapters are about going and doing the first show at Brooklyn Bowl Nashville with Jason Isbell, which is with no audience in the stream and trying to figure out how to bring the fans in on the screens, the whole fans thing. And we doing the Billy Strings Grateful Mahalo thing in Hawaii. So that ended up being towards the end of the book. Um, which maybe then COVID made, makes it maybe more interesting in a way, yeah. you know? It's like it how does. we dealt and like, and maybe we, we and that's the, the end of it is right of the beginning of the return.
0: Were there any chapters or stories that you wrote and felt like you were giving up confidences or there was just stuff that you couldn't, couldn't talk about when it was, when you had f- discussed it with Dean, you realized this is not for public consumption.
1: Um, Most of it's in there. There might be one or two things. Okay. Like a, yeah. Always, you yeah. know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to screw up. In that, and that was a thought. I was like, I hope I don't screw anything up. Yeah. And that's a reason not to do it. And part of me didn't want to do it. I know I'm not on any socials.
0: Right. I find that um, fascinating.
1: <laughs> uh but but relics is or the Brooklyn Bowl or the cap. And if I need to have an idea or an amazing quote we can get, but I'm not. I can barely handle my life as is. Um, so I don't know how I if I had socials too, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. It's interesting. It's just be too much the incoming. Yeah. It's a lot already. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to manage email like I think a line in a book is, you know, I don't really fully know who I know. And I know more people than I know, like just from doing this in New York City and, you know, putting on a show every night since for 26, 27 years, there's just a lot of people that I do know. But I'm not sure, you know, but it's just a over I think there's some statistic, isn't there, where like it says you can only know so many people. Yeah, heard yeah. that, like 140 people. I, I yeah. have
0: heard that, but I think you prove that that's wrong. Like you've got to know well, more. I
1: do, but I don't know. I'm not saying that's good for the brain. Sure, like my sure. brain's not overload, but uh, um, that's why I kind of feel good. I I got the book done and can flush some stuff out Adam. of my brain <laughs> hopefully
0: you know i will say um one of my experiences with you was at the Lockin festival for the first time my first time in, in 2015 and i wrote a um review of a, like a, a, a daily recap the next morning the and i it was i thought completely glowing I had one line about that there was a, that it took a long time to use the bathrooms. I get a call from from Pete, Pete comes, finds me, and we have it out about the bathroom issues. And I just thought that speaks to how much you care and and how, I mean, this review was 99% glowing, but you found the one thing that, you, if yeah, it, it but it was, and it was it wasn't coming from a your jerk from writing. It was coming from a, I want to make that one percent better. I want right. it to be a hundred percent.
1: To do this stuff, actually, the, the 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 people who do it well, I think, do listen to the feedback and the information that's out there, yeah. and you take that because you can't do it all yourself. It does. It takes a village. And actually, if you can utilize and uh, like paying attention to things like what Scott Bernstein's writing on jam base or this person's writing here, you know, sometimes the feedback is right in the bathroom, you know? And, uh, but I care a lot cause I love going. I mean, that part, I still love the shows yeah. you do. I do. That part never fades. Yeah. The daytime stuff, you know, the, the work part to put on the show can get a little tiring. But the shows, right? Going to shows, never. It's unbelievable. What about the music of the Grateful Dead? Those songs never fades for me. Never. No. And live experience, never. I actually, there's a chapter or a thing in the book just about that, that a great show lasts 72 hours. You know, when you see a great show, it lasts with you. But then after a few days, three days, you start to be like, I need more. Yeah. You need Give me another fit, right? <laughs> um, So it does, luckily. And that's why I love having the venues and and um proud of seeing so many shows gone and right. i really did early on or throughout um and that's in the book too uh though you know you can't see it if you're not there right. or you can't be there if you're not there like to see a show yeah and the I mean, there's always, good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah there's only you, so
0: much that the stream can be right
1: this. but it's when you're there you're there yeah. and uh but you know i'm maybe phasing it down because i went to so and i learned how to do red eyes and like go to bonnaroo with a you know a one night hit this yeah. or that and and uh tried to perfect you listen to helps they can sleep on planes yep. anyone out there who wants to do this you know if you can sleep anywhere anytime that's helpful yeah
0: i always wondered what your sleeping patterns are i mean i can i i mean you must i can sleep
1: anytime in any place yeah. like if we said right now go bucket i could lie yeah. down and sleep Uh, And you can hear the 10, some of those shows in my voice, (laughs) Um, but I do feel good that, you know, when I took over wetlands, I was 23, 49. Now I did. Part of the reason was I was like, if I can do this and do a good job at it, told my dad, who was a lawyer, there's no background for entertainment or music and live music in my world, my life, my family. If I can do this in 20, 25 years, you know, in 25 years, old, I'll be a young vet. I'll be a veteran at doing it, but I'll still be pretty young. Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. I've done a lot of stuff, but just because I started young and I, and I tell, by the way, whether it's five, fifty people, 500, 5,000, 50,000, a lot of putting this stuff on, I think this is in there is the same. You know, you got to book a venue, book the band, market the show, sell the tickets, advance the show. You know, do doors, do security, do the box office, sound check, sound lights, the band. Then you got to settle the show, pay the band, the venue. And, and that's true whether it's 50 people or 50,000. Obviously, as it gets bigger, there's more security issues and the marketing has more of a budget and all that. But anyone out there can do this. You can go to your local bar downtown. It could be in a town. It could hold 1,500 people. It could be a cover band. You still have to do the exercise of putting on the show and having the vibe be right. Like, so it is something you can just do pretty much. There's not a big barrier to entry. And then there's gets to be some barriers as you get bigger, you know, and play bigger rooms. But anyone who wants to feel that feeling, feel that knot in their stomach when they're walking up to their show, which I still feel, even if it's sold out, you know. And then, But once I'm in the venue, it goes away. Like I'm more, I'm comfortable in there, but I still get a little butterflies or a little nervous walking up to a venue for a show at all the, every show.
0: And that doesn't go away, which I think
1: maybe that's a good
0: thing. Yeah. I I think it means you care and, uh, and that, that it's very important to you. Um, And I think you do a good job in in the book of giving advice and lessons that you've learned from your experience that, don't only just relate to people that would be putting on promoting live music, but I think that would work for in, in any different field, treat people, right. You never know what's going to come back and who you're going to need a favor from down the road. And uh, you know, there are things like that. And, and I, I I thought that that was, was great. And. Well, it's true. Yeah.
1: You know, it's just like, it's not that hard of a things like that or just the more you practice the luckier you get. Yeah. You know little things, Use you know your be time nice at
0: college to college to to work yeah. on your craft.
1: Yeah, while you're still in college. Yeah, Don't exactly. quit. I've had people come in, I'm going to quit college, go be in a band. I'm a <laughs> fresh I, mean, I would stay in college and then right, college is a good time to go try stuff. Exactly. Uh, whether you're making like I went and made that film on the road and I, and I found another kid who owned a camera and we lived in a van or you want to do an internship or put on the show. We just talked about a cover band show, you know, or be in a band. Yeah. I College is a great time to be in a band. great incubator. Yeah.
0: I just want to, we'll end. I like just something that, yeah, yeah. Some things that I always wanted to know. Which member of the Grateful Dead is the best? Hang.
1: Well, he's probably not around anymore, Jerry.
0: Okay, fair enough. So that's a pretty
1: good one, right? And Pigpen probably was a, a lot of fun.
0: Well, the people and the other that four, you've are great. Had By the way, very li- i very—I feel
1: fortunate. Like Billy, Mickey, Bobby, and Phil are all four. You know, different characters. Yeah. Each a character. Great personality. Obviously, very engaged. The way they can engage. And what they do with music is is kind of only possible because of who they are yeah. as humans. And uh, so it's got been fun for me. A lot of fun was like getting to create with each of them. Like we got nine shows with Phil coming up at the Capitol in October. And it's been fun to get to do these Phil and Friends. He loves playing with new people. Yeah. I've got some ideas for some new people. Always yeah. oh, the jam, our world and introducing him to Krasnow and Randolph and doing shows with Schofield or Medesky or Luther or Jackie green or Chris Robinson or, and now we're going to try and war, you know, all the going down the list. Boom, boom. And, and we did, but then you get interesting in like do Prez hall kind of during yeah. drums in space, you know? And um, we have some new ones coming up and I talk new people who will play with him. Okay that, you know, people are going to be excited about. And like, that's fresh and new. And, um, and the Dawes guys we just introduced yeah. Phil to, and now he's doing more show And Ryan Adams, we yeah. did that amazing Jammies and the Warfret. Sorry, but that, that's been a fun thing. Mickey, we're doing Planet Drum shows. Mickey Hart is, you know, Spock. You know, he really is, yeah. you know, in Star Trek. Look what he, the, the sounds and where he goes and what he's done with rhythm and with drumming, with the culture of drumming. You know, and Bobby being the, po- I mean, look at Bobby Weir. Still, Still- going, yeah. And he's the, le- you know, so it's been great. The whole Fair the Well thing, obviously, you know, was, it's kind of funny. I kind of see it as, you know, I, I ended up here and, this, you know, because of that show, I went to in 93 at Rosemont Horizon. They kind of led me on a new path. I wasn't on that path. I was in college. Um, I, uh sophomore at Northwestern film student. I just went to a dead show and I had an experience there and ended up in a parking lot after the show and it's snowing, it's in the book, you know, and clearly these kids are not going back to Northwestern or home. They're on the bus. And I was just like, wow, stayed up all night, went to the library the next morning. Like what's been done on this? And I'm a film found another kid, Phil Brule, God bless him. I was like, you want to go on the road in six weeks in May? Uh, for, dead tour and make a documentary about all this this crazy scene never seen anything like it's still not around there's nothing like that yeah. you can go to shows fish show this that now or even dead and Co. no way I mean, there's a lot but there's not what that was and uh, so I went and made that film you can see it anyone listening it's like on YouTube uh, and miles to go and um, doing that film you know led me to Larry Blackwood Wetlands he saw the film it was like, okay, you can be the new guy. And he helped make That's it true. possible. He gave me the club, and I paid him every month on like a note. And that, then owning Wetlands, you know, I was young. I didn't have a family, so I could stay late. I could be there when the biscuits finished, you know, at 4 a.m. Yes. I was there with tequila shots to do with the guys. And um, and then, you know, that led me to here with you. <laughs>
0: Th- that that's that's great, and uh, you know we we're talking about there's not that you said there's nothing like the Grateful Dead scene and the parking lots and everything. I mean, do you envision a band be, be reaching the level of a Fish or a Grateful Dead? I mean, I, it scares me for our scene that we don't have that the the next uh, band isn't obvious. I'm I'm hoping. Goose, c- yeah, I mean, can, goose can do Goose and it. strings. Yeah, um, and and right. I, I'm I'm hoping that yeah. We're, we by the way,
1: it's funny. We're sitting here, no one can see, but like we got these two issues of relics like, right in front of us. We got Billy Strings and Goose.
0: And that's what uh, I'm hoping because there's what we're the kids in college. By the way, you might
1: see someone on here with Phil. You know.
0: Oh. Uh, and we did Billy with the day, you know, a little, a little,
1: thank you for, for that, that yeah. tidbit. <laughs> Maybe don't run this for a while. Um, yeah. we'll see. Uh, yeah, Billy. I mean. Both of them are the next generation, whatever that becomes, but it's going. It's great that Dead & Co is still going. You see a lot of young people at those shows, their parents. Uh, It's wild that, you know, Fairly Well was maybe going to be an ending. It ended up being kind of a new beginning. Absolutely. By the way, that's seven years ago now, more. That's you know? Nuts. I don't know what happens in three years. GD60. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, Goose is doing great things, and it's cool to see what Trey did with both of them. The baton passing a little. Amazing. And Trey, the torch. Yeah. <laughs> to see it keep going sometimes i'm with you we both love this scene and want to see it go continue and the next gen you know i think there i would consider goose billy strings kind of 4.0 yeah if 1.0 was like traveler right and fish and dave and widespread and then 2.0 is kind of like god street mo String cheese, okay. 3.0, yeah. a little like Bisco, Umfries kind of soundtrack. That's true. so Sola, uh, you know, that world, you know, Medeski's probably more two, And then 4.0 is kind of strings, goose, spaffers, pigeons, yeah. twiddles. So
0: it's you good know, I gotta, to see yeah. it is still going.
1: It definitely, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's quite strong, yeah. actually. And just the dead keeping going is is just great for it. Look at J Rad, they're in yeah. there three point, you know, and um, and just the different and what Dark Star does, and it's so cool that there's just different versions of interpreting the music, dude. I I would go. I still love I love dead cover bands, yeah, and like the difference between Shred and Dark Star and J Rad. What Joe, what those guys have done with that music, and and it's cool when if we went tonight. I mean, today, I think it's a win. You know, if you will go on any weekend to have any major town or city in America, let, let's say city, even a smaller, medium city, you open up the Village Voice if it exists in that yeah, city. You know, we might have to go to the, the digital, digital version. Movie. You will see a band. I bet money. Anyone listening, I'll bet you a dollar that if you open it up this weekend. There's a jam band. There's a band from our scene yeah. playing or dead cover. And the reason is because. They play long. Yeah, (laughs) It's fun. It's a good environment. The people who go to the shows are having a good time. No, They're having a drink. They're having a drink. It's good vibes. And so these bands get booked a lot and people love it. And and if you look at live and you look at the venues to this weekend in Portland, Maine or Portland, Oregon or Jacksonville, Florida or Chicago or Denver, certainly Denver, Des Moines, anywhere, Phoenix, I, I think you'd see. A show happening, yeah, some kind of some side, and uh, and hopefully
0: that just keeps on going. It was interesting. Um, I saw a clip from a Bruce Hornsby show a few months ago where somebody requested him to play Jack Straw, and he said, Sir, I am not your Grateful Dead cover band. There are uh, many amazing Grateful Dead cover bands. I love that band, I helped that band but that is just not what I am doing. Uh, there are plenty of opportunities for you to go see grateful dead, uh, music. And, uh, that brings me to one question to keyboardists at grateful dead 50. Um, where did the idea come to have both Jeff and Bruce play? Um,
1: from the beginning, I think, uh, we want our horns be in there, you know, and Jeffrey has been doing so much, you know, with Bob, with all of them. Bill yeah. loves him, Bobby, you know, and um, it was just like, let's put that together. So we have that coverage, you know, um, and really from the beginning, it was like, let's do it's Bruce always- and Jeff. Yeah. That was kind of the idea there from the beginning. Um, you're right. It's kind of unique. Yeah. Um, and but it's been cool because I know, like, for example, the fish thing, you know, it was cool that I think after fairly Well, some of the real classic old deadheads who maybe didn't go to fish shows, you know, weren't there, you know, then started going to fish shows. So because they got turned on to Trey, which you can only really do if you go live and you see it and then he turns you on yeah. once you've seen it. But they weren't going before. They're like, ah, oh, nah, they, you know, I, I'm, I'm a dead guy. I'm not a fish guy. Yeah. And or gal. And then, one cool thing I think of Fairly Well was it made some of those people uh, want to go see a fish show. And uh, so you see dead shirts now, people listening. If you go to a fish show, you'll, you'll see, which is cool. That, that I feel really good about. Yeah. yeah it was great. And uh, just that whole experience, the wet. But I know a lot of it was just like, you got to get lucky with the weather, you know? And I've yeah. been on both sides of it. It just so happened it Fairly Well. I remember, it was like perfect 75 degrees. And then the rainbow thing and the fire, you know, just everything worked. And uh, that takes a lot of energy. I knew it would either work or not. Yep. And I'm glad it did. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if there'll ever be anything like that again. I'm still chasing it, you know, but, but I'm a cool knowing. I'm just very thankful yep. for the weather. <laughs> it rained on the Monday after fairly well on the say si- on the Monday, the sixth, I said to him held Girl. out. Yes. I was like, Is that Jerry? She's like, Yes. He's he held it back and then he cried on Monday. So that was from M G from Mountain Girl. And um but if it had rained and with any lightning, you know, on fairly well, I believe the memory of it would be a little different. You know, if you have to leave it just and um so that can be frustrating in this business. You have to put everything together. You book, you work for months, the teams, the booking, the land, the building it out. And then you get there and it, rain. You know, especially with the crazy world of weather. Now, one nice thing about these venues, the Capitol or a bowl or whatever, you know, it can't rain inside. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah, people think I'm real That's smart. Like, Yo, it
0: can't <laughs> rain inside. Right. Yeah. That's what I've learned, bro. One last question for you that I've always wondered about. In a case where you have, let's use the example of J Rad has John Mayer um, pop by and sits in for nearly uh, great uh, for a whole set. Oh, so oh, what good. About that, so good. Like when that's worked out There's in great advance, video on YouTube, is there payment involved? I mean, to these guests?
1: Yeah. Uh, Sometimes, but definitely not. Mayor sitting in with J-Rad at the bowl is just like, that's him wanting to do it. Coming in from the airport, I think he came right over. Alone. I remember him getting out of like a taxi. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, But no, a lot of that. Like there's going to be a sit-in tonight up at the Capitol. Okay. uh, With Ann Wilson, we have from Hart. And that's just someone, a local, our, our local friend um, this will run later, right? Yes, so Warren's is. coming. Oh, wow. And, uh, but that's just Warren coming over and, and yeah. wanting to sit in. There's a, yeah, I o-
0: always wondered yeah. about that ele- element.
1: There's sometimes, if you ever see it like
0: pre-announced. Sure, that might sure. Be if it's the Doobie Brothers incident. Oh, yeah, remember that? Oh, course, yeah, that's everyone got paid. Yeah, yeah. Everyone got paid there. Yeah. You know?
1: <laughs> uh, but that was a fun one. Remember the weather there, and then we we saved it with the private plane. Yeah. Oh, so you know, Oh yeah. That's, that's in, the, in I'm like, book. You, I got to get used to By <laughs> way, I'm still not I, used to people are going to know all my sh- stories. stories. Holy shit. I got to get used to that. That's all going to start on the day. Like after August 3rd, someone told me, so I guess actually that's going to be a new way of living for me. That I'll be walking. A lot of people are going to know more.
0: Absolutely. Oh, and, that, and that book is an incredible read. It's the music never stops. We're putting on 10,000 shows has taught me about life, Liberty and the pursuit of magic. Peter Shapiro, thank you for all of the amazing musical moments that I've seen that you've put together. Um, and for, you know, we both love this scene and for helping shepherd this scene through through 4.0. <laughs> right, Thanks, Scott. And thanks for um,
1: what you've done to, like, we put on the show. But it, one of the cool things about this scene is jam bass and jam mans and relics and live for live. And like, there is the, you know, after a show, you do have the photos, you do have the video, you do have the re-listen, we do have the tape, you know, or we know where the shows are. You're like, and the, car, so it is a community, you know, I do my part, you've done your, thank you. Thank you. let's, uh, we'll just keep going. We'll see if we can get to five, 5.0. 5.
0: 5.0. 5. That's it for episode 137 of the Jambase Podcast. Thanks to Peter Shapiro for talking with me. Shapiro's fantastic book, The Music Never Stops What Putting on 10,000 Shows Has Taught Me About Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Magic, is out now. I really enjoyed the read, and I think other music fans will too. This episode was produced by Jake Alexander. Thanks, Jake. If you enjoyed this episode and aren't a regular listener, be sure to check out past installments as our guests in recent months have included Taylor Goldsmith of Dawes, legendary bluegrass musician Peter Rowan, acclaimed keyboardist and composer Bruce Hornsby, John Bell of Widespread Panic, and many others. Come back next week to hear another engaging interview. Take care, everybody, and go see live music.